This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. That was a big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Addison ran a 5-3-40 and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Trista and Nick tonight, Celtics up 68-60 on the Sixers. You got six and a half minutes to go in the third quarter there. Tyrese Maxey's got 23. Tobias Harris, Trista, 3 of 14, still seven points. Knocking Let's on go. some wood for you. Knocking on Thank some wood for you here. Let's keep that thing going. Woo! I just yeah, saw, and all uh, is right in the just, world. Boston just pulled away too. Yeah, it's uh, seventy to sixty now. They got a ten point lead. So as that as that continues, it's starting to see Boston doing what they're supposed to do. Golden State big lead over the Wizards now, one twelve to ninety six. So again, in the NBA, this happens, right? You worry about some of these close games at first, and then all of a sudden, the team that's supposed to pull away pulls away, and you feel a lot. Uh, feel a lot less worried about it. You know, I just saw Brandon Bean, the uh, the general manager for the Bills. I guess he was at the podium. And the audio actually would have to be cleaned up, but it was a great quote. He was talking about why he traded up for Josh Allen and what the mindset was, right? We were talking earlier about, you know, the commanders were to trade up or somebody else was to trade up, take the spot from the Bears. You know, you take the field plus 510 or whatever it was just, just for that. Like, you do have to give up a lot. But he's absolutely right when he said this. He said, well... If it doesn't work out when I traded up for Josh Allen, I'm not going to be here anyway. And if it did, no one's going to give a bleep. So who cares? And that's really that. Like that is true. And I think that's the one thing to keep in mind with the draft is that there are going to be teams and general managers that have that mindset of like, well, if it works, nobody's going to care that we gave up a couple of firsts and a second if the quarterback's winning. Because in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, you got nothing else. And that's why I keep trying to drill this home to everybody that the Bears are in a great spot, and they're going to take advantage of that, and nobody wants to trade out of that top three if you need a quarterback. But there are teams, and a lot of teams, that want to trade up, and they're willing to give up a boatload for it. So I think really that's that's just what the – that's going to be the big narrative of this draft is going to be what teams are willing to give up and who's actually going to be willing to have the mindset of what Brandon Bean just said, where it's nobody's going to care if the quarterback I trade up for works out anyway in this draft. No, you got to be aggressive, man. If you're if you're a GM in this league, you have to figure out a way to get your guy, and you have to do the research and stay firm to what you believe and not what some of these other people who put out all of the mocks are saying, right? Because I had I saw that uh that Twitter video about all the different people that ripped on um the Chiefs for taking Patrick Mahomes, they're like, this is the worst pick. Why wouldn't you why wouldn't you pick this player, that player, this player? These other players are so much better. This is gonna go down as one of the worst draft picks ever. And like, look at those people. Those people are silly. They have egg on their face indefinitely now. It might be those might be one of the worst takes ever, you know, when like freezing cold takes kind of had like there's some people where you kind of understand where they were, and it's like, okay, like it's it's so opposite of what everybody thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be besides the Chiefs with what he what he became. Now, 
you didn't trade up to like the number one or number two overall pick, but the Chiefs still gave up a lot. I mean, they were a team that had one of the best records in the NFL the season before. But, you know, that also goes back to situation. I mean, it's a great situation for him in that sense. So, like, here's the thing, too. If I'm a young quarterback and I'm entering this draft, if you're talking about maybe being taken in the back end of the first round, you may lose a little bit of money, but I'd much rather go to... I mean, honestly, I mean, most of those teams don't need quarterbacks, but, like, let's just say Detroit says, all right, we know that Jared Goff's our quarterback for a little while longer, but they draft Michael Penix Jr. He looks good, and Michael Penix Jr. is, you know, or J.J. McCarthy get taken on the back end there, and you can sit out a couple of seasons, and you can learn from Goff, and you can be part of that offense, and clearly Ben Johnson doesn't want to be a head coach because he's too scared to be a head coach, so he's going to go back to his comfort zone every single oh, year. Wow. Like, that could be a great opportunity for some of these guys. It worked out well for Lamar Jackson, too, in uh, Baltimore. Oh, wow, that was a salty Commanders fan talking. You, you couldn't even help it to call him a coward. Maybe he just wants more money or a better situation than to go to D.C., Wow, that is just, I didn't expect that Ben Johnson ricochet shot to come out in the middle of what was a, a particularly healthy discourse. You know, Trista, I'm just going to call it like I isn't. it is, and this guy's turned down coaching job opportunities for a couple of years and apparently only wanted the Chargers job because he wanted everything established and ready to go. And you know what? We don't want somebody in Washington that's not ready to rebuild, somebody that's going to dig in and pay attention to detail and be a good leader and build a great culture. If he just wants a ready-built roster, well, you know what? Good. We don't want you anyway, damn it. And that's how I feel, and I'm sticking to it. And I'm sticking to it. Who, Even well, who do you win. think is, is going to go after Bo Nix? You know, I I just don't well, I don't think he's a first round pick. I, I think you're gonna be looking you know. at maybe middle of the second round. Like do you, like maybe you get to a point where like does Minnesota take a quarterback in the second round? If I'm the Vikings, first off, I think that's a great spot for him. Bo Nix is probably gonna end up as long as he has the right workouts and doesn't hurt himself at all, right? In terms of the way that he looks in front of teams and scouts. Looking at like Minnesota at number forty two, right? Or maybe you're talking the Giants at thirty nine. And those teams go with the veterans they have one more year. And by that, I mean Kirk Cousins takes like a, a short-term deal to stay in Minnesota. They give big money to Justin Jefferson and say, okay, we're not rebuilding, but we're kind of retooling. We're going to do that retooling on the fly and try to add to what we have. I think that could be a good spot for Bo Nix. It just it needs to be a situation where he's not expected to go in right away. If a team reaches for Michael Penix Jr. or Bo Nix in the first round and then expects them to come in and be a starter because they're a first-round pick and the clock starts in the contract, we got to get these guys out there right away, you're not giving them a chance to develop. And I understand they've they played what feels like 100 years in college football. They feel like the Van Wilders of college football. But that experience has helped get them to this point. But it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be translate right away to getting out there and starting in the NFL. So teams that have a spot where it's backup quarterback, you sit, you learn, but not a young quarterback, or at least somebody you're not going to keep long-term, because I think we can agree, right? The Giants, Daniel Jones, probably not on the long-term plans, but maybe just out of convenience and necessity, he's there unless they move up or they take somebody really high with their first-round pick. I think maybe somebody like a Michael Penix or a Bo Nix going to the Giants in the second round would make sense, and then the Vikings are another team that takes one of those guys as a backup, keeping Kirk Cousins, or maybe it's another veteran as a bridge quarterback there. Yeah, when you look at these team-to-draft odds, the Giants don't even show up for Bo Nix or Michael Penix, but I think mm -hmm. you're right. Michael Penix feels like a great Giant 
in terms of what they want someone to do, his accuracy, he's poised. I think he can handle a hostile environment. Don't think Bo Nix can ha- handle a hostile environment, but I like Michael <laughs> Penix's demeanor, and he's a gamer. He put my team to sleep twice in a row based on his ability to rise to the occasion, and the Giants don't even have odds to draft Michael Penix. Yeah, I hope as as time goes on, you know how these markets tend to open up a little bit where we start getting more, and you can start getting more individual, like where a player is going to get drafted or team or position. You start spreading out that market a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, some of the top ones here, it's 4-1, to one, Michael Penix, Seattle 1, Minnesota's 50. Maybe you're looking more at second round. I'd take him in the first round if I'm Minnesota, but, I mean, how crazy this, again, gets uh, as teams move up because Minnesota doesn't even have like it, even like Vegas, Denver might make sense. New England, I, you're already going to take a quarterback probably at number three, barring anything crazy. So it just to look at it and say there's there's more teams that could be added to these odds that could be added to these situations. Uh, we just have to probably get closer and closer. They're not just going to give us the market just yet. Who do you think drafts Marvin Harrison? Oh, he's he's not going past four. He's not going past uh, the uh, Cardinals. And it's a perfect fit for him, too. Now, now, granted, a team could trade up. But, like, again, it goes back to the trading up thing, right? When I look at where we ha- are in the top three, all those teams need quarterbacks. So are you going to want to move off a top three pick knowing you could get one of Williams, May, or Daniels? Okay. But then Marvin Harrison's sitting there at four, so a team knows the Cardinals are likely going to take him. So you got to move up to three. Well, is New England going to trade back? And then trade back to uh, five, six, seven. Like, do, do the the Titans try and trade up to number three to get Marvin Harrison? I feel like the draft to me kind of starts at number five. Like Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison, likely the top four picks. Order may switch just a little bit, but that just feels like the top four. Once you get to five in the Chargers, the question becomes: What is Jim Harbaugh's mindset? We wants to run the football. So are you going to then go tackle? Are you going to go like Joe Alt? Are you going to go wide receiver and take a Malik Neighbors then and decide that you want to add another weapon because your receivers are either injured all the time or overpaid or, or both now? You know, do you start looking at an edge rusher there, like a Dallas Turner? I think as things start to move forward, it really becomes five and the Chargers where you look around and go, that's going to dictate keeping trades out that we don't know about right now that could happen that's going to be really where things start to get a little bit questionable, where you don't know where a team's going to go. But I would think in the end, you're probably going to see offensive line go number five to the Chargers, just because we know that that's exactly what Jim Harbaugh wants to do. He wants to protect his quarterback. He wants to run the football and put Justin Herbert in position to succeed. It's what he's done in the past in the NFL. It's what he did in college. He's built that culture. And he's basically said, like, that's that that's what we're doing. So... Yeah, Marvin Harrison at four, and then at five, I think, is where the draft starts to move around a little bit. Yeah, I think you're right. I see a mock from uh, Bucky Brooks where the Chargers would take Joe Alt, which would be so Harbaugh, like just the boringest number fifth pick. There's so many (laughs) wide receivers that are available in this draft. I see that you you talk about Atlanta, and it looks like they're mocking them to take an edge rush. But they need they need to figure out their quarterback situation ASAP Rocky, right? They are a quarterback away from being really exciting. Mm-hmm. I think they feel like the most natural place for Justin Fields. 
Uh, yeah, in Atlanta, yeah, I think that would be a great spot for them because you don't really want to trade up because the I mean, obviously for them, I'm sure they'd love to have a quarterback on a rookie deal and build around that. I mean, every team at this point does in the NFL because the quarterbacks are so damn expensive, but they're going to have to pick up his fifth-year option anyway. But Atlanta is a spot where you're going to have to move up from – you're not going to give up your first-round pick. Maybe, maybe there's something where they swap – eight and nine as part of it right and you don't have to give up a second rounder like you you swap your first round picks and you give up a third rounder and a fifth or something like that right because the bears pick right past them in atlanta so then you're getting justin fields you're going back one pick at nine you can take a another wide receiver not, not a wide receiver in atlanta but you can maybe add another offensive lineman or add somebody to that defense get yourself an edge rusher there get yourself another guy to add to the secondary so yeah, Atlanta's in a pretty good spot there. It'd be interesting to see if that's kind of the direction that they want to go because just moving back one spot to get Justin Fields and getting like a third-round pick, if that's the price, that's really not bad at all. Uh, Atlanta makes a ton of sense there. I think that's one of the best spots probably for him because you're going to have all those weapons around him. I mean, who knows, though? Like, what if something crazy happens, Trista, and, like, the Giants decide they want to go in on Justin Fields and then they're like, all right, we're, we're going to move off of uh, – I mean, like – Something like that could happen in this draft. You know what I mean? Like, there could be a team that just decides, we think we can get the most out of Fields. We think he's going to fit in our offense, even though Atlanta may make a ton of sense, and that's a very popular place. In fact, I think that's the favorite for him to land is in Atlanta right now. There could be a team that decides, hey, we can get the most out of him, and then they make a move, and then they go after Justin Fields, and it kind of throws everything out of whack. Yeah, Raheem Morris, to your point with the Falcons, he gets on the podium today. <laughs> and said, if we had better quarterback play, I may not be here standing at the podium. They have to go running back. I mean, they have to go quarterback because Raheem Morris is not is not playing around. Yeah, and he's honestly 100% right with that, too. And I never really understood why they kept going back to Desmond Ritter. I mean, Taylor Heineke is who he is, but the offense at least moved better with Taylor Heineke. And especially once Desmond Ritter started turning the ball over like crazy in that second half of the season, when he started off with this streak of just never throwing an interception, then it's like he made up for lost time and just threw interception after interception after interception. But, I mean, between somebody like a Justin Fields, maybe Kirk Cousins, even though, you know, he's coming off of a torn Achilles, this isn't that's not really an injury you want to have anybody come off of, but he's not going to be moving around as much as somebody like Justin Fields. Atlanta's just in a spot now where, like, the clock's also ticking on a lot of these other rookie contracts they have, right? They got a lot of good young talent. They don't have a lot of time to waste right now with another bridge quarterback. This offseason gives you that chance. I, I mean, I know everybody's down on him right now, but maybe Russell Wilson. I mean, maybe that's the fresh start for Russell Wilson, and that's the environment that works out better. He's clearly going to get moved off of. So, I mean, it, it they are really a quarterback away in Atlanta, so they're going to have to be as aggressive as any team. But I think it's more likely they get more of a veteran because it's going to be harder to move up and snag one of those top three picks from anybody that's up there. And Russell Wilson is really good indoors. That would be a great spot for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I know Russell Wilson gets made fun of a lot and I understand that things were really ugly in Denver, but Russell Wilson still could put up some pretty damn good numbers and one of the highest rated quarterbacks in the NFL last season. So, you know, you sit here and you look and go, may, that may not be the first choice, but if you can get it with some sort of a cheaper deal and you're able to work out whatever it is where Denver's paying a lot of his contract and all the dead cap money this year, like there's a chance for that. I can't, I cannot wait for this draft. This is the most excited I've been for an NFL draft in years, just given all the potential chaos. But like March Madness, it's going to be insanely hard to bet on because there's going to be times where we go, I, I didn't see that coming, so...
It's Ben MGM tonight. Final play of the quarter. Could be a freebie. Cousins to the end zone. It is caught. Jefferson for another touchdown. Let the conversation continue with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network. Presented by BetMGM. You may never hear a highlight like that again. Dustin Jefferson from Kirk Cousins. If the Vikings were smart, Trista, that's what they do. But that doesn't mean that that's actually what's going to happen. Now, again, this is the time of year where people are saying stuff and asking questions and general managers like, the hell are you talking about? Even though there's a reason for those questions, because when the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings is asked about that and says, ah, I trading Justin Jefferson, I would never do that. Never even crossed my mind. But if you actually think about it, there's reasons why it could make sense, but it all depends on whether or not the Vikings T want to, rebuild this year and want to get younger and get a huge draft haul or they want to keep one of the greatest if not the best wide receivers in the NFL right now and then continue to try and roll forward and win football games versus that rebuild path you got to take yeah I mean and if you're uh, if you're a team further down uh, that's like in that quarterback spot in the draft and you can get Justin Jefferson and maybe you think you're you can get a quarterback like Russell Wilson right away or you can figure out a, a a scenario to get some of the quarterbacks that are available on the open market and not draft and you feel like you're maybe closer to competing than having a rookie quarterback then maybe Justin Jefferson is somebody that you explore but I did see this six hours ago Kevin O'Connell on Kirk Cousins negotiations uh, I feel like we're heading towards a good place I think that those two are inextricably linked if Cousins stays Jefferson stays. If Jefferson goes, absolutely Cousins goes. Well, plus Cousins got a grill today. Did you see that? So now that he's got some gold oh, no. grills. Uh, yeah. Oh, you haven't seen I that? Oh, you better go look that. No I, no, I want you to react to it live. I want you to go on Twitter right now, right. X, and just look up Kirk Cousins because I want your reaction live on the air with this because it is fantastic. All right, let's check it out. <laughs> Kirk Cousins grill. Let me it's see a grill. Take. Just, 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 oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. He's at the dentist? If you haven't yes. found a grill guy, check out Dr. Lebster. He doesn't take Cole's cash, but he does great work. And then Justin Jefferson responds, good sign for the Vikings. Next week, we got to get you some diamond ones. There you go. Justin Jefferson's got a grill. I mean, it's not, it's, are they, you know what? Maybe this is all one big game. They're actually just dropping the hints that this is going to be a relationship that's going to continue. And this is their way of doing it and playing around on social media. I love it. I love Kirk Cousins. <laughs> are these veneers? Like, these aren't really grills. What is this supposed to be? There's no way this is a real grill. No way. It's, yeah, it's probably some cheap fake one. That's Cousins is not going to go spending the money that it takes really to do that. He's not notorious for like overly spending on things. He drove that giant Astro van for like five or six years. His first, you know, early on in the NFL until he finally bought a new car. So I don't think it's probably a full-on real one, but it doesn't matter because he put it on social media. He did the whole chain thing on the plane during the regular season. I mean, it's funny too because there was a there was a question early on in the year for a while, and it may have been true, where 
a lot of people were worried that the Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins relationship wasn't great. It was just one of those, like, does he want another quarterback? And then Cousins gets hurt. And then you're seeing everything else they're throwing out there on the field. And I think he realized real quick it was the whole absence makes the heart grow fonder. And Justin Jefferson's like, yeah, I need that guy at least if you're going to keep me here because I know he's going to get me the football. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those scenarios where kind of similar to how Travis Kelsey initially felt about Alex Smith, it's hard to let go of someone that you've had since you've come into the league that's getting you all the targets, putting it exactly where you want it, not just like where you want, like in terms of just your volume, but like the catchable balls that, you know, Kirk Cousins throws versus the absolute bullets that say my guy Dak Prescott throws. Yeah, I mean, that's hard to move on from someone that you've had success with. I think I think they're both back. If I had to guess, this grill tells me they're both back. I In the end, it makes the most sense, and I think that's certainly what we're looking at, right? It's just what's going to make the most sense for this team and what their plan is. And I, I don't Kevin O'Connell, I'm sure, doesn't want to get into a rebuild, and this is a team that still has enough talent where – I, I listen, they they were almost a playoff team when they were completely decimated by injuries this year. So that you can see the talent that's still there in Minnesota. In the end, if you're a wide receiver, though, and you have a chance to kind of dictate your future to a point, you're going to make sure that where you're looking is going to be a place where you can actually get the football thrown to you. But Justin Jefferson has a chance to go down as one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Now, I get you can go out and get a haul, right? Think of the receivers like Devontae Adams that's been traded and Tyreek Hill and the amount of picks that came back to those teams. But that's then saying you're giving up on this roster and you're just moving on from there. Like, if not the Minnesota Vikings, the Falcons are the favorites for Cousins at 2-1, to one, it's the Broncos at 4-1, to one, it's the Eagles, or sorry, the Patriots at 6 and the Saints at 9. Those do make sense, but he's got a relationship there He's got a receiver that you know you can just throw the football up to. Also, Jordan Addison on top of that. Like, let's not forget, you've also got another great receiver after that. This offense could still be one of the better offenses in the NFL next year, even with some tweaking this offseason. So, I think you're right. I think the relationship just makes the most sense there. And a lot of times this stuff gets thrown out, and then you realize in the end, oh, what made the most sense actually did happen. There's actually an article uh, from Adam Rank at NFL.com where he – brought up some names of players that should be maybe traded this offseason. Justin Jefferson was mentioned there. I agree only if it's a rebuild situation. But one that does make sense, Trista, Stephon Diggs. Like, I feel like if we're looking at Adam, if we're looking at relationships on one side between Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins, that feels like it's good, right? Like, they got they got things down clearly there. Because, again, if you interact on social media, right, it's who Justin Fields is following on social media and who's interacting with who, and that's how you know. But Stephon Diggs, it just feels like he's worn out his welcome in Buffalo. It's been too many questions for too long about what's going on with him and Josh Allen. It's more than just, hey, I'm competitive and we're yelling at each other on the sidelines. It just feels like that may have run its course there. And with all the wide receivers in this draft, it's a perfect time for Buffalo to move off, get some picks. I would actually consider moving on from Stephon Diggs if you've got the options in free agency where there are a bunch of wide receivers and then obviously younger guys in the draft. Yeah, I don't know that this Diggs marriage in Buffalo is going to continue to work like it did two years ago. You know, Diggs' targets mm -hmm. were down. He was on a milk carton at certain points in time during the season. 
just really his snap count went down to all of those drop balls in the in the um, playoff game against the Chiefs. Tough. So and and this team doesn't have a lot of cap space either. So you want to get cheaper so that you can pay other positions, especially guys on the defense that you have to pay. You know, we were all told that like everything was fine between Diggs uh, and Josh Allen, and that their last tiff was nothing when they played the Cincinnati Bengals and lost at home. But it hasn't been right. It hasn't smelled right. It hasn't felt right. Why not trade Diggs for AJ Brown straight up? Let's just let's just do something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and if the Eagles did that, they would be. I mean, absolutely nuts. But listen, I think you know me. I would love to watch the Eagles implode, though. I don't think that's going to happen. But, like, I mean, think about it. On the back, the back end of the first round, there's, like, Brian Thomas from LSU. There's Keon Coleman would be another receiver that might be available at that point. Yeah. I mean, there is the potential for a lot of really talented wide receivers where you are going to get cheaper. And also keep in mind, too, Josh Allen's cap hit is going to be $47 million. And this is what yep. happens, right? Like, in the end, this is why teams want young quarterbacks playing well early because then you can afford to build a team around them. But eventually, you got to pay those bills. They had to do it in Kansas City. They moved on from Tyreek Hill. It feels like a similar situation in Buffalo, except for the fact that we're not talking about free agency and a new deal. It's it's more along the lines of just, hey, this thing isn't working out. You're going to get expensive. The production's down, and the relationship isn't great. So I would, like, if I, if I had to pick one of those two that I thought would get moved off of, it's definitely got to be Stephon Diggs. Yeah, and back to the Eagles. I don't think Hassan Reddick is is going any damn place. Like it just doesn't feel no. like it. He doesn't want to go anywhere. Defensively, it feels like he's the heartbeat of the defense. So I don't see that happening. Ayuk is an interesting one because they don't they don't need him. Ayuk. They don't absolutely have to have him. He's nice. Oh, but he's so good. Maybe they want to go he's out so and, and get somebody in the draft. <laughs> he is so good. Maybe they want to get somebody in the draft, right? Like maybe Keon Coleman slips to 31. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because that that's really going to be what a lot of teams, a lot of teams, well, there's, there's two, obviously quarterback is always valuable, but the wide receiver position, obviously we know now has gotten really expensive and incredibly valuable in a league where like everybody needs guys catching the football because you, it's a pass happy league. Now that's just the way that it's gotten. But because this is such a loaded draft versus even next year at wide receiver at tackle at edge and at quarterback, like the most important positions in football are all loaded in this draft. So what teams are going to make decisions that in, Previous years, they wouldn't have, but they will this time around because there's so much talent available to them. And I think that's where some of these decisions will come in, where maybe in normal off-seasons, the Bills would be like, nah, man, Stephon Diggs, we're going to figure this out. He's too talented still. We're going to make this thing work. But do they take all of that stuff into account and say, we can get younger, we can get cheaper, we can build around in some other ways and get some young wide receivers? Hassan Reddick? You, you want to keep him if you're Philadelphia, but he's going to head into the last year of his deal. Do they say, we could get ourselves an edge rusher later in the draft? I mean, it depends on, obviously, who's going to be you know available at that point. You're going to have a lot of the edges probably go earlier in the first round. So, But, like, the, the Jared Verse, if Jared Verse falls to them, do they – you know, just like you have to think of these types of scenarios where a team's going to say, we could get cheaper and this is the year to do it versus next year. Let's just pull the plug now. Because there is a lot of young talent, right? Like, there's a lot of young talent. John McMillan was on with us earlier talking about the Eagles getting younger and, and some of the, the players they have that didn't get a lot of snaps during the regular season. Is this a chance now for them to say bye-bye to a couple of 
older price veterans and let the young guys on cheaper deals get their opportunities now too in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, Nicobe Dean was one I thought a lot of Eagles fans had excitement and hope and aspirations that yeah. he would do a lot. Second-year player, I think maybe this is another step up. And he just really wasn't involved that much. Jalen Carter, obviously, they, they took a swing. He fell way too far, and he like improved and, and produced right away. But he was right. There's a lot of defensive players that they've just been having kind of sit on ice. I... I would expect the Eagles to make some sacrifices this offseason. You know, you've got a new coordinator yeah. for one. So maybe that maybe that's the situation where, again, like Hassan Reddick could be there. Would make sense, right? And, and from a football standpoint, yeah, like you want to keep him. But you're thinking financially and you're thinking, okay, what could we get? Like, what if you're the Eagles and you trade Hassan Reddick and you trade up to, you know, I don't know, you trade up into the top 10 and get yourself somebody like Dallas Turner out of Alabama? And then that that fills a spot that you need right there. Or, you know, you want to go after – I mean, you might even not have to do anything. Kool-Aid McKinstry is just available for you, and you get yourself – we know their secondary is trash. So if you're the Eagles, you're probably even thinking maybe more secondary than edge rusher if you're going to look at some of the defensive linemen that you – and just, you know, just – you've got a lot of that talent maybe on your roster already. So it's they, – they've got the ability to maybe do that. Yeah, Legereus Sneed. I mean, Scott puts points that out. I mean, Legereus Sneed's going to get franchised, but what if he? They're saying they're going to let him explore a trade. If the Chiefs don't want to pay him, and the Eagles do, you trade Hassan Reddick for Legereus Sneed, and there's picks involved. Like, I mean, who knows? That's a win-win. And again, some That's of this a is win -win. A, it's all yeah. It, it is. It really is a win-win. And I think there's some of this is obviously just crazy fantasy, but like this is an off season where a lot of that stuff could happen in the NFL. Yeah, there's a lot happening behind the scenes that's just bubbling up with the cap situations of these teams and the needs that they have. Obviously, the Chiefs, we love them. We think that they're probably going to win another one. Doesn't really matter what's around Patrick Mahomes, but the defense right. kept them in a lot of games this year when their offense was struggling. We know they're going to go out and try to get somebody, but you know, to, to have on the other side Patrick Mahomes, whether that's a Mike Evans or a T. Higgins, but it's the defense that they need to make sure is really sealed up because that was the kind of the key piece, not only of the, the Super Bowl, but the regular season where they were able to, to win double-digit games. Yeah, I mean, and just the way that that season, the way the Eagles season melted down to, you got to think, there have to be a few players you've just got to clear out too, right? Like, you've just got to clean the stench of the end of that season. You, you obviously went through all the turnover at coordinate, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball when you're looking at coordinators, but there's also going to be players in there too. And a guy that's in a contract year that he's going to want to get paid, that maybe is a little pissed off about everything that went down last year, that may be something that you just have to wipe off and, and move on from there with that. Uh, but, yeah, like, there's – there's just a lot of potential for a lot of moves from a lot of teams, and we're not even going to be at the draft, and then that whole thing goes down. And then that's even like just you're talking first round. Second round picks are really valuable too, you know? There's a reason why, again, I, I'm, I don't want to go back to just Washington, but like there's a reason why they traded uh, Montez Sweat for a second round pick because now they pick at 36 and they pick at 40. So like that's how you get younger knowing that your team's not going to be any good. They're not going to be very good next year. I know my commanders aren't. But like you're in that spot. So it has to be a decision for some of these rosters too like what is our short-term goals? And I think the Eagles it's winning and I think the Vikings it should still be winning too. You keep Justin Jefferson. It's bet MGM the night.
Dodger. Lima has that tip by Mobley, but Dodgers gets it back. Dodgers dumps inside Washington, puts it in. Two seconds left. The Cavs are out of timeout. They have to go 94 feet. Struth from midcourt. Oh! Do you believe this? Let the conversation continue with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Okay, so serious question real quick here before we get to that ending in that Cavs-Mavs game that just went final. Does Sebastian Maniscalco call the games for the Cavs? What did I just hear? I've never heard a play-by-play guy that sounds like he's from New York like that. Did you hear that too, Trista? You're muted. You're gonna have to try again. We're yes, yeah. You're muted. You're muted. Yep, yep, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Got her. Dang it. There you go. Once per show. Over under. Once per show. Dang it. Yes. Can we? No. Can we play that one more time, please? Let's do it again. Yeah. Play it one more time here. Let's hear that again. Leva has that tip by Mobley, but Dodgers gets it back. Dodgers dumps inside Washington, puts it in. Two seconds left. The Cavs are out of timeouts. They have to go 94 feet. Struth from midcourt. Oh, do you believe this? They got the ball to Kleba, and he got to get the ball to Max Struess. They have to go 94 feet. Oh, can you? That was amazing. I didn't know Sebastian Maniscalco did play-by-play. It's fantastic. Can you believe this? (laughs) Yeah, you think Tommy DeVito, you got to get the hand out there and everything. That being said... An incredible ending to this game. Max Struess from beyond half court at the buzzer. Cavs win it 121-119. He finished with 21. Luka and Kyrie Trista combined for 75 points for the Mavs. Luka had 45. Kyrie had 30. Kyrie had another six rebounds and three assists. Luka had with 45 points, nine rebounds and 14 assists. And they still lose. They still lose this game because you got really nobody else doing anything for them besides those two. That's actually going to be the biggest problem for Dallas. Like, maybe they'll have chemistry, and maybe they'll be able to go out there and get buckets. And it, But if it's just those two and they're still giving up 121 points, it's not even going to matter. Yeah, I uh, I just watched this on Twitter as you were talking about it because the, the audio is obviously fantastic, but watching Max Struess hit a half-court shot yes. with two seconds left to go and his entire team mobbing him like his name was Damian Lillard in the playoffs, sending Paul George <laughs> bye-bye. And, and honestly, just the dime from Luka to I want to say that's Derek Lively uh, with two seconds left to go up by one, the entire sequence is incredible. I, I had a feeling, even though there was bricks in the beginning of the game, like this is going to be an epic game. What a matchup. Both teams are starting to find their groove late in the season. And boy, oh boy, did it did it deliver. I mean, you called it. It was by far the best game of the night so far. Boston's up 111-93 on Philadelphia. You got our magic all over the Nets, 108-81. The Wizards now Ding. down or lost... Yep, ding, ding there. Uh, Wizards lose 123-112 to the Warriors after, you know, we at least had, they at one point had a nine-point lead in that game, and they lose. 21 points for Jonathan Kaminga. Steph Curry was four of 16 from three in that game. Still finished with 18, wow. but you had 25 off the bench for Klay Thompson. So, but like, none of these really that close. Even, God, 
Atlanta beat the hell out of the Jazz tonight, 124-97. Jalen Johnson, though, you know what? That 18.5 was still a good good number because he finished with 22 points. So, oh, wow. Bogdanovich over 18.5. I'll ding that off real quick. Uh, over on assists, but under on points for DeJounte Murray. So he go, does still continue to go over on the assists. The points were down a little bit. So maybe you kind of just monitor that and keep an eye on where the assist number goes moving forward. That was plus money at nine and a half, and then that still goes over with 11. So he's, I think DeJounte Murray is going to be looking at more of that facilitator role. Seven to 20 from the field and just a one of seven from three for 17 points. Wow. So bad shooting night for him, but they picked up the pace, obviously, with uh, – Johnson and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Even uh, DeAndre Hunter had 20. So, like, Atlanta's got other guys that can kind of pick that up. But, yeah, I mean, you kind of look down the board. The Knicks are getting their ass kicked now because they got nobody left on this team. I mean, there's you got Miles McBride starting for them because Jalen Brunson's out. Team, my Knicks are just banged up. I, I, it's, it's awful, but this is why I can't have nice things. I was asked if you would be considered a contender right now, and I said no just because of the injuries. Also, Milwaukee. Yeah up 98 to 52 on Charlotte and there's a quarter Whoa. just a quarter left to go. Charlotte might not even get to 70 points tonight. Wow. 101-54 now 10 10 and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter and that is wow. I mean the Hornets are a team that when they want to be bad they're absolutely horrible but when they have Brandon Miller out there at least you got that guy, Brandon Miller, Trista. You got Brandon Miller, and that's what matters. He's the star of the points. show. Uh, 14, 14 points in a shellacking. Yeah, yeah, 14 points in a shellacking. <laughs> uh, I, did, I didn't give this out, but it's pretty much an autoplay for me. Yep. Uh, blocks, blocks and steals for Victor Wembanyama was four and a half. He went over that, so ding, ding, ding. That's five. That's pretty much just become either blocks or go blocks and steals but it pretty much just is every single night for him until they start setting that number at like five and a half, which they could given the way that he's he's averaging. In fact, I think over his last five games, yeah, Victor Wembenyama has averaged 5.6 blocks over his last five games and another three steals just coming into this game, not even including the four blocks that he has right now. So like, it's just, you watch him play and anytime you think that you've seen it all from him already, he shows you something else, continues to get better. Where are we going to be even in two years with him? I mean, think about the improvement already, the comfort level we've seen already from him in his rookie year. I, I don't even know what to expect from him as a player in a few years down the road. You know, you look at Defensive Player of the Year, and Rudy Gobert is just running away with the award. But second, mm -hmm. in terms of the odds board, is Victor Wembanyama. So defensive player of the year is absolutely in play for him to win in two years. I think he does win it. When you put up these ungodly stats from game one all the way to game 82, it's not going to be close. The things that he can do on the basketball court, he'll be an all-NBA guy. He'll be an all-star oh. probably next year. And he could win an MVP or two. He could be... Yeah, oh, he he could win an MVP in, you know, yeah, a couple of seasons, really. I mean, if there's anybody that will kind of jump the line or accelerate the process of, you know, climbing up every couple of years, getting more votes, earning the chance to kind of be up there and be the next guy up, I feel like Victor Wembanyama is the guy that's just going to jump the line. Like, the, the hype is so real. And the NBA is, like, at some point, the question is, all right, who is the next face of the NBA? Who's going to be that next star after LeBron, who still is the face of the league at this point in his career? But there is... 
a lot of great young stars in the NBA. There'd be nobody better than Victor Wembanyama, even though he plays in a smaller market like San Antonio. Doesn't really matter because the Spurs have been a really great organization for a long, long time, and everybody knows who the hell they are, and they've had a ton of stars there and a ton of success. So you just expect him to be somebody that's, yeah, probably there in the next couple of years. The question is, though, like, are people willing to vote for Victor Wembanyama, Rookie of the Year, and Defensive Player of the Year this season? Because that's tough to go to ignore Rudy Gobert, given the fact, like you said, right, he's the heavy favorite right now to win Defensive Player of the Year, and rightfully so. Minnesota's got the best record in the Western Conference. But how many voters are going to say, you know what, I don't care. Look at what Wembenyama is able to do. I think he's a better defensive player and a bigger threat than even Rudy Gobert. And do we start to see maybe more of a push at the end of the year? You talked about the narratives, right? And Marcus Smart. Does that narrative start to change where people are talking about rookies winning defensive player of the year and then you sway some voters late in the season? Yeah, he might get a vote or two, but I don't think it's going to be enough for it to be meaningful. I mean, this, this Wolves team, number one defense in the West – going back and forth with Boston for the number one defense in all of the NBA. They're just locking down Rudy Gobert's numbers, steals, blocks, rebounds all up. He's protecting the paint in a huge way. So he's already won it multiple times before, but it's been a minute, so there's no voter fatigue. I don't see anyone else winning it but him. But it's just incredible that he's even in the race this way as a rookie. I mean, it just... It just shows us who he is at this point as a player. And you know, I think the biggest – I'm trying to think of, like, I would probably – I mean, again, obviously the comparisons are, like, best prospects since LeBron. Some people are saying even better, and that's, you know, we'll wait and see where that actually goes. But how often do we have players that come into any league – it doesn't even just have to be the NBA, right? With all of the hype where they exceed those expectations. LeBron exceeded all expectations that he had coming out of high school. I mean, with what he's been able to do in his career, forget counting championships and finals record. That's another conversation. LeBron James has exceeded all of the expectations that were on him when he entered the NBA. I would argue that Victor Weminyama is on pace to do the exact same thing, and we'll be talking about him exceeding expectations just even in the next couple of seasons if this improvement continues to be that way. But I can't think of that many other guys, right? Like, how many could you really think of? I know it's just off the top of your head, but, like, that would be somebody that had a ton of hype coming into a league and then really just kind of hit the ground running and was there and lived up to it. Not many. No, I'm trying to think of them. I can't think of Anthony Davis, probably. Anthony Davis came into Anthony the league. Davis and a good one. Yeah, he was really good right away. That's the first I would, player that I comes would, to mind. I mean, I remember Jaw. the hype that was around Bryce Harper. Yeah, John Morant, there was certainly that. Um, and now obviously none of these are on the level of like LeBron or Wemby or anybody like that. But I mean, I think of even somebody like Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, ton of hype around him. I would say he's probably lived up to the expectations. I wouldn't say that he's, he's exceeded them. He had years in Washington where, you know, there were injury struggles and things along those lines. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. That's, you know, that's, that's a great example. Ken Griffey Jr. Would probably be one that you'd think of, but there's not, there's just what about not Mitch much. Trubisky, really you think not, me? Did he live up to the hype? <laughs> I would say so. I would say Mitch Trubisky definitely lived up to the expectations. How about that? Anybody that thought it wasn't going to pan out, that's exactly what you get. It's not much. It's tough. Like, I get it. These Sorry, kids Lauren. don't put the expectations on themselves. I know, poor, you just, you know, Lawrence Holmes just getting ready to come on with us. He's sitting there in the waiting room and 
He's just thinking Mitch Trubisky. We don't need to talk about that anymore. Chicago sports has great future now. At least the Bears do. Tristan, you got to twist the knife. You did it to my commanders earlier. Just twisting the knife. You know, what we suffer is people that cover these teams or these fan bases. We want to think about the future, damn it. The Bears have a good future. And the beauty of that is we'll talk to Lawrence Holmes about that next because... Well, let's just say this. They've got a lot of options this offseason. And even though the draft starts with them, you kind of feel like there's one specific thing that they should do. We'll ask Lawrence Holmes, obviously, if that's going to be the case as well. We'll talk to him live from Chicago. It's BetMGM Tonight.